are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. And to discuss today's reading, you can do so over on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, where you can interact with other readers and listeners. Today is day 81, and we are reading from chapter 19, paragraphs 713 to 719. Chapter 19. The Most High enlightens the priest concerning the spotless innocence of Most Holy Mary. She herself is informed of the approaching death of her mother, St. Anne, and is present at this event. 713. The Lord did not sleep nor did he slumber, Psalm 124, during the clamors of his beloved spouse Mary. Although he pretended not to hear them, delighting in the prolonged exercise of her sufferings, which occasioned so many glorious triumphs, and the admirations and praises of the supernal spirits. The smoldering fire of the persecution already mentioned continued unabated in order that the phoenix, Mary, might many times renew herself from the ashes of her humility, and in order that her most pure heart be regenerated over and over again to new estates and conditions of divine grace. But when the opportune time arrived for putting an end to the blind envy and jealousy of those ensnared maidens, and in order that their petulance might not altogether discredit her, who was to be the excellence of nature and grace itself, the Lord spoke to the priest in his sleep and said to him, My servant Mary is pleasing in my eyes, and she is my perfect and my chosen one. She is entirely innocent of anything of which she is accused. The same revelation was given to Anne, the instructress of the maidens. That morning the priest and the instructress conferred with each other about the message which both had received. Being now certain, they repented of the deceit into which they had been led and called the Princess Mary, asking her pardon for having given credit to the false report of the girls and offering her all the reparation necessary to defend her from the persecution and the sufferings consequent upon it. 7.14 She that was the mother and origin of humility after listening to their words, answered the priest and the instructress, My superiors, I am the one that deserves your reprehensions, and I beseech you do not hold me unworthy of undergoing them, since I ask for them as most necessary to me. The intercourse with my sisters, the other maidens, is most highly prized by me, and I do not wish to be deprived of it through my fault, since I owe them so much for having borne with me. And as a return for that benefit, I desire to serve them more faithfully. Nevertheless, if you command me anything else, I stand prepared to obey your will. This answer of the Most Holy Mary still comforted and consoled the priest and the instructress, and they approved of her humble petition. But from that time on, they attended to her and observed her with new reverence and affection. The most humble maiden begged to kiss the hand of the priest and of the matron, asking for their blessing according to her custom. With this, they dismissed her just as the parched desire of the thirsty for drink is increased at the sight of clear water, withdrawn beyond their reach. So was the heart of Mary, our mistress, filled with yearning, regret for the exercise of suffering, thirsting and burning for the divine love. She feared lest, through the watchful care of the priest and of her instructress, 
she should from thenceforward be deprived of the treasure of affliction. 7.15 Seeking solitude and speaking with God alone, she addressed him, Why, O Lord and most beloved Master and severity with me, why such a long absence and such a forgetfulness of her who cannot live without thee? And if in the protected solitude and separation from thy sweet and loving presence I was consoled by the pledges of thy affection given to me in the afflictions and sufferings for thy sake, how shall I be able to live now in my dereliction without the solace? Why, O Lord, dost thou so soon withdraw thy beneficent hand from me in refusing me this favor? Who besides thyself could have charged the sentiments of the priests and of the instructress? But I do not merit the benefit of their charitable reprehensions, nor am I worthy to bear affliction, for I am equally unworthy of thy most loving visit and delightful presence. If I have not been able to please thee, my Father and Lord, I will make amends for my negligence. There can be no relief from the depression of my spirit as long as the joy of the presence is wanting to my soul. But I continue to hope that the divine pleasure, O my spouse, be fulfilled in all things. 7.16 The enlightenment of the priests and the instructress concerning Mary abated the persecutions of the maidens. The Lord also restrained them and prevented the demon from inciting them thereafter. But the time during which he absented himself and during which he hid himself from this heavenly spouse lasted, wonderful to relate, ten years. Although the Mosai interrupted this absence a few times by allowing the veil to fall from his face for the relief of his beloved. But it was not often that he dispensed this favor during that time, and he did it with less lavishness and tenderness than in the first years of her childhood. This absence of the Lord was ordained for our queen, in order that she might, by actual exercise of all perfection, be made worthy for the dignity to which she was destined by the Mosai. For if she had continually enjoyed the vision of his majesty in the manner described by us in the fourteenth chapter of this book, she could not have suffered according to the common order of a mere creature. 7.17 But during this retirement and absence of the Lord, although Most Holy Mary missed the intuitive and abstractive visions of the divine essence and of the angels as mentioned above, her Most Holy Soul and her faculties enjoyed more gifts of grace and more supernatural enlightenment than all the saints ever attained or received. For in regard to this, the hand of God never withdrew from her. But in comparison with the frequent visitations of the Lord in her first years, I call the state of her privation of the presence for such a long time an absence and withdrawal of the Lord. It commenced eight days before the death of her father St. Joachim, and afterwards the persecution of hell began, followed by the persecutions on the part of creatures. They lasted until our princess reached the age of twelve years, Having passed this age, the holy angels on a certain day, without manifesting themselves, spoke to her as follows, Mary, the end of the life of thy holy mother Anne, as ordained by the Most High, is now about to arrive, and his majesty has resolved to free from her the prison of her mortal body and bring her labors to a happy fulfillment. 7.18 At this unexpected and sorrowful message, the heart of the affectionate daughter was filled with compassion. Prostrating herself in the presence of the Most High, she poured forth a fervent prayer for the happy death of her mother, St. Anne, in the following words, King of all the ages, invisible and eternal Lord, immortal and almighty creator of the universe, although I am but dust and ashes, and although I must confess that I am in debt to thy greatness, I will not on that account be prevented from speaking to my Lord, Genesis 18.17, 
And I pour out before thee my heart, hoping, O my God, that thou wilt not despise her, who has always confessed thy holy name. Dismiss, O Lord, in peace thy servant, who has with invincible faith and confidence desired to fulfill thy divine pleasure. Let her issue victoriously and triumphantly from the hostile combat, and enter the portal of thy holy chosen ones. Let thy powerful arm strengthen her at the close of her mortal career. Let that same right hand which has helped her to walk in the path of perfection assist her, and let her enter, O Father, into the peace of thy friendship and grace, since she has always sought after it with an upright heart. 7.19 The Lord did not respond expressly in words to this petition of his beloved, but his answer was a marvelous favor shown to her and to her mother, St. Anne. During that night, his majesty commanded the guardian angels of the Most Holy Mary to carry her bodily to the sickbed of her mother and one of them to remain in her stead, assuming for this purpose an aerial body as a substitute for hers. The holy angels obeyed the mandate of God, and they carried there an our queen to the house and to the room of her holy mother Anne. Being thus brought to the presence of her mother, the heavenly lady kissed her hand and said to her, My mother and mistress, May the Most High be thy light and thy strength, and may he be blessed, since he has in his condescension not permitted me in my necessity to remain without the benefit of thy lasting blessing. May I then receive it, my mother, from thy hand. Holy Anne gave her last blessing to Mary with overflowing heart, and also thanked the Lord for the great favor thus conferred upon herself, for she knew the sacrament of her daughter and queen and she did not forget to express her gratitude for the love which Mary had shown her on this occasion. This concludes our reading for Day 81, Chapter 19. Today we read from paragraphs 713 to 719. There are a few different movements in our reading today. The first is the priest Simeon, who we know will receive Mary and Joseph in the temple and and take the Christ child into his hands. And also the prophetess Anne, who will spend the rest of her life in the temple telling of the glory of the Lord, they repent over the fact that they believed wrongly about the Blessed Mother. That's a good invitation for us, isn't it? That at times in our life, we must repent from different wrong assumptions or judgments that we have made against another. And then Mary addresses God in prayer kind of pouring out her heart. Why, O oh Lord, did you allow this to happen? But she continues to want to please the Father and the Lord. She wants to make amends for her own negligence, assuming responsibility on her part. She prays to the Lord so that she may be at peace. And then we have the fact that Mary's mother, Anne, is close to death now. And it's kind of interesting because Mary hasn't left the temple yet, so this means that Jochum and Anne both die while Mary is in the temple. And in our subsequent readings, we're going to hear about how Joseph was selected to be the spouse of Mary. And it would seem that as Mary leaves the temple at the age of 13 or 14 or whatever age that Maria Vagrida is going to tell us in a few chapters from now, well, she needed someone to provide for her, someone to protect her. And isn't that the quality and the character of St. Joseph? But let's go back to the fact that Anne is near the end of her life. Mary has this revealed to her. She is informed of it. And what does she do then? She prays for her mother. 
She prays that she might have a peaceful death, that the Lord will reward her for all of the things that she did for her in this life that Anne did for Mary, that God will give that fulfillment to her. And Anne, as we heard earlier in this book, in this volume one, that she already knows what God is going to do through the person of Mary. Mary then is able to be there present at the death of her mother. As Mary prays for Anne in those last hours of death, maybe you know somebody who is in the process of dying today or over the next few weeks. Why don't you say a prayer for them? Pray that the Lord will bring them comfort and peace. And as you pray for them, in a sense, you're imitating the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.